It's White Coat Wednesday, which means we bring in our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Shulman. Good morning, sir. Good morning, bringing our own special brand of intrigue. Indeed, always, <laughs> and for years. Uh, okay, so there's a new study about TikTok and its impact on mental health, and I have to think, probably not positive. No. Um, on the one hand, and this actually applies to social media in general, on the one hand, the beauty of this is you have people who could be distanced, could be afraid to leave their houses for whatever reason, are socially isolated, and this provides them with a contact. This provides them with a way of finding out they're not alone. Uh, this provides them with some resources and often support. The problem is, because of the way the algorithms are designed, once you open that door, instead of always receiving the support that you need to close the door behind you it often opens up it often opens up other doors that take you further and further and further down a dark and twisting path and so in this study they interviewed about uh, people between the ages of 16 and 54 a number of times who were accessing that type of content uh, on social media TikTok in this case specifically and that's what they found they found that for a lot of people even though this started off initially being supportive and helpful. As they continued on with it, it really took them into a darker and deeper uh, hole. And that's not what you want. And so we have to start getting uh, these resources to be one, a little bit more transparent about how their algorithms work. And two, transparent in the sense of explaining to people what is good and what is bad, what's available and what isn't available. Okay, so I find this very, very intriguing. Doctors apparently are worried about the rise of retro diseases. So this is like bringing back vinyl? <laughs> or or, or, or uh, pantsuits or uh, polyester. Um, yes, um, literally it's along the same lines. Basically the problem is for all sorts of reasons, we'll, 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 we'll give people the benefit of the doubt and not say that they had problems with the whole concept of vaccination or preventative care. We'll say that they were so overwhelmed by everything else that was going on that they just didn't get the chance to do it, or their local public health facilities did not uh, put the resources there and necessary. But the bottom line is pertussis or whooping cough. We're seeing a huge increase in the number of cases, and this is entirely preventable with a vaccine vaccination that's safe and effective, but you have to get it. Same thing with measles and other diseases like that. I think this is a wake-up call to remind people that even though we may have weathered one storm, we can't forget about all the other diseases that are out there that have made tremendous, the vaccinations against which have made tremendous differences in the quality of our lives. If you look at our great-grandparents or our grandparents and compare the quality of their health to the quality of our health and the ability to prevent diseases like whooping cough, um, it's just like night and day. And so we can't lose sight of that. And it's really important, very important that people, if you're, if you've missed a vaccination, this isn't a pointing a finger at you. It's reminding you, if you missed your whooping cough, if you missed your measles, mumps, rubella, or your kids did, remember, uh, bring them up to date. It's always, it's never too late to do it. Uh, if you're just remembering or getting the opportunity to do it now, do it now. It's always worthwhile. I find this story fascinating. Apparently, adversity in childhood could be linked to the possibility of developing type 2 diabetes. Yeah, only leave it to the to the to the Danes to be able to do this. Um, basically, starting in 1980, they start collecting data on everyone 
literally everyone who was born. And they have data on everyone and all the children who were born since 1980. And that data doesn't just include the usual, you know, age, uh, whatever. It includes, you know, the type of adversity. And they were able to get data on things like maternal deprivation, poverty, a long-term unemployment on the part of the parents, loss or the threat of loss, meaning either um, the death or um, uh, serious illness suffered by a parent or a sibling, and then family dynamics, which included things like foster care placement, uh, parental psychiatric illness, parental alcohol abuse, being separated from... So you could... Amazing uh, um, amount of data that they were able to pull together. And lo and behold, when they followed these kids um, after the age of 16 into adulthood, early adulthood, and eliminated all the ones who developed type 1 or type 2 diabetes earlier on, but just from the age of 16, and they used the data from 0 to 15 to figure out the amount of adversity, lo and behold, those kids who had had a more troubled childhood, for any of those reasons, um, ended up with a much increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes in adulthood. Now remember, there's two different types of diabetes. There's type 1, which is where the pancreas is no longer to man, able to manufacture insulin, which helps us to regulate sugar and sugar metabolism within our body. And type 2, where your pancreas still makes the insulin, but your body just doesn't respond to it as well, usually because of obesity or lack of exercise and things like that. So is this because of the adversity directly and the stress that it does and the high levels of all the different stress hormones or indirectly because of coping or adapting behaviors that people take to deal with stress like eating or not being exercising or not taking care of themselves, whatever the reason. The truth of the matter is adversity in childhood can lead to an increased risk of type 2 diabetes, which means if I'm your family doctor, if I'm your pediatrician, if I'm, uh, I, I should be keeping my eyes open for this and trying to put into place measures to make you aware of the risk of type 2 diabetes and perhaps do the things in advance to reduce your risk to kind of mitigate that uh, that danger, that risk that you already are at increased risk for. The same way I would if you were genetically at risk for oh, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, whatever form of disease. I put in place preventative mechanisms, surveillance mechanisms to protect you this is one of those things we have to think of in this situation. All right. Dr. Mitch, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. A pleasure. Have a great day. That's Dr. Mitch Shulman, our medical correspondent.